If you have your copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn over to Mark chapter 1. Mark chapter 1, and we'll be reading verses 29 through 31 this morning. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with fever, and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. The Bible says it once, that's enough. If the Bible says it twice, you may want to pay attention. But if the Bible says it three or more times, I mean, you better pay attention. And this is an account this morning that we read in Mark chapter 1 that is not stated once, not stated twice, but is stated three times. You can read it in Mark's account in Mark chapter 1. You can read it. In Matthew's account, in Matthew chapter 8, or you can read it in Luke's account in Luke chapter 4. Matthew, Mark, and Luke all tell us about this account. In Matthew's account, it's two verses. In Luke's account, it's two verses. In Mark's account, it takes up all of three. This morning, I want to look at it. I want to look at a home anchored in Jesus. I want to look at a home where Jesus entered. I want to look at a home and see what happened after Jesus was found in it. I want to look at a home because I want Jesus in my home. I want to look at what happens when Jesus is in my home. And this morning, I think this this account helps us as we think about it. I'm going to say as we begin this morning, and I've said this before, and I'll probably say it again at some point, but before I was a, a husband, I was an expert on husbands. And before I had children, I was an expert on child raising. I knew everything about it. I had all the answers. If somebody would have just come up and asked, I would have provided everything they needed to know about how to be the perfect parent. Ask me now about what it takes to be a grandparent. I'll tell you. I know everything. I've got all the answers. And one day, Lord willing, when I am a grandparent, I'll find out I know nothing about that either. All right? So I'm not telling you this morning that, uh, that I've got it all figured out, that our house is, is just a perfect uh, paradise. Anytime you come in, it's just going to be, you know, the great picture of, of everything right. I'm not telling you that this morning. I'm not here at all to try to paint that picture or try to put that in your mind. What I want to do is look at Jesus in a home, and I want to see the example of what happens when Jesus is there. Because this is right. And while I am not perfect, He is. And this is what happens when Jesus is in a home. This morning there are just four things I want to point out from this context of Mark chapter 1. And I hope you have your Bibles there. And we'll be looking at this account. And I just want you to notice four simple things about a home that is anchored in Jesus. A home that has Jesus as its anchor. This is what you find. Number one, you find a home where Jesus is welcome. I want to have a home where Jesus is welcome. Now, again, this isn't difficult for us to understand or comprehend. And I suppose if I were to take a poll across the auditorium this morning, you want to have a home where Jesus is welcome? Well, of course you do. Of course I do. 
This is a home where Jesus is welcome. Mark, Mark says here in Mark chapter 1 in verse number 29 that they had come out of the synagogue. They're in Capernaum where Peter lived. And it says that he entered after leaving the synagogue. He entered into the house of Simon and Andrew. He's got James and John with him. I ask you a question. Just put that picture in your minds of Jesus walking the streets of Capernaum. Jesus leaves the synagogue and he comes to this home of Peter and Andrew. And do you get the impression that Jesus had to knock or ring the doorbell or, hey, bang on the door and, hey, hey, let me in? I don't get that impression at all. The impression you get is that Jesus just walked in the house, right? He didn't have to ring the doorbell. He didn't have to knock on the door. He just was welcome. He just walked in the house. Now, I'm an old farm boy from Kansas, and we grew, we grew up, I grew up down the road from my grandparents. And I never, I never remember knocking on their door. I never remember, they didn't have a doorbell, but I, I would never have had to ring that doorbell. I just I always remember when we got to Grandma's house, we just walked in. It would have been weird, actually, to knock on that door, in my mind, as a little child. You just walked in the door. I knew that I was welcome there. It didn't matter what time I showed up uh, after we moved away from Kansas and we would come back to visit. I, I never remember knocking on that door. They knew that we were coming, and I knew that we were welcome there. It didn't matter what time of the day. You were just welcome in Grandma's house. Grandmas are great. Most of you are welcome in Grandma's house, right? You just walk in. I just want you to think about Jesus for a moment and the fact that he just was welcome in that house. I get tickled at neighbors today in our neighborhood. I don't know how it is in your neighborhood or around where you live, but I get tickled at people. These are, uh, these are people that have, uh, have the ring doorbells. We have one in our house too. So, you know, if anybody's walking up to the house, I see it on my phone before they actually ring the doorbell. But uh, we've got a neighborhood Facebook page, and it is so funny to me to, to listen to the neighbors. These are people, as, as soon as the solicitors are out, uh, hey, they're out selling solar panels today. Hey, the pest control people are out. Whatever service it is, the neighbors get livid. I mean, the audacity of these people to come into our neighborhood and knock on our doors. And these are the same people that if you were to walk up to their house, you know what they've got right in front of the door? <laughs> this big mat that says what? Welcome. This big mat that says welcome. These are the same people that have that big board uh, leaning up against the wall next to their, next to their house, and it says, y'all come in. <laughs> y'all come in. Or this big, big sign just says welcome. Not really. No, not really. I mean, we've got the mat and we've got the sign, but you're not really welcome. I'll invite you. And if I invite you, you can come in. But don't you just show up. You're really not welcome. And I'm afraid it can be that way in my house with the Lord. I, I know in my mind that I have the welcome mat. I know in my mind that I've got this big sign that says, please come in. I've got this sign that says, Lord, you are welcome in my house. But then there are times when I don't live 
like Jesus is really welcome in my house. Where he's not really welcome. I'm sorry, Lord, this just isn't a good time. I'm sorry, Lord, you're going to inconvenience me in wanting to do some things that I want to do, and this just isn't a good time for you to be here. Please go to the neighbors. Please keep walking down the street. Please go somewhere else. If we're not careful, Jesus will not be welcome in our house. Look in your Bibles at Luke chapter 10, and I want you to look at another house where Jesus entered. That Not just once, but several times we get the impression that he was in this particular house, and, and you're going to know this house as soon as we begin to read. And, and you're going to recognize these to be good friends of Jesus in Luke chapter 10, and in verse number 38, Luke's, Luke's account it says, Now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. Now again, you could go on in that account and you know that Martha's going to get upset at Mary because Mary's not helping and Martha's distracted with serving and we understand all of that, but you notice that the Bible says that Jesus was welcomed into this house. He was welcomed. And you understand, if you're a student of the New Testament, that, that this is Martha and Mary, and they've got a brother named Lazarus. And you know that these are going to be some of the closest friends of Jesus when he walked on this earth. And you say, well, that, that seems reasonable that Jesus would be welcome into this house because these are some of his closest friends. I want to be a close friend with Jesus, don't you? I'm just saying I want to live my life in such a way that Jesus is welcomed into my house. I want Jesus to be there. Now let me, let me bring this home just a little bit closer. Let me talk to some of our young people for a minute. And I'm talking to myself as well. But you know, it, it is right, I suppose, and it is good for you to have a door on your bedroom, and it's, it's good for you to have privacy, and there are moments when you need privacy. Consequently, a... Uh, there was an elder in the congregation where Julie and I were before in Missouri. He said when his daughter once was a teenager, she, she mouthed off. She did something, and, and uh, she slammed the door of her bedroom. You know what he did? He took her door. Can you imagine that? He took her door. He just took it off the hinges, and he carried it to the barn. And She didn't have a door anymore on her bedroom. You have a door in your bedroom, and again, I suppose it's right, and it's good. And there are moments, of course, where you need some privacy, and, uh, and that's all right, that's all well and good. But listen to me, when, when the Lord is in your house, it doesn't matter if a door is closed. I want to live my life in such a way that if the Lord were to walk in and open the door, it doesn't matter what I'm doing, Right? I want to live in such a way that, that if I've got a door closed, it doesn't matter if Julie opens it. I, I don't care, right? I'm not doing anything. I've got nothing to hide. I, I want to live in such a way that if the door is closed and one of the boys opens it and comes in and, Dad, what are you doing? I've got nothing to hide. Live your lives in such a way. It doesn't matter if your parents open the door. Let him in. Let the Lord in. Make sure that whatever you're doing, he is welcome in your house. Lord, 
That door is always open. Don't worry about knocking. Just please come in. Just please come in. I have absolutely nothing to hide. I want to live in a home that I have nothing to hide. You know what that means? That means it doesn't matter if it's night or day. That, doesn't ma- that means it doesn't matter if it's light or if it's dark. That means it doesn't matter if I'm watching TV. That means it doesn't matter if I'm on my phone. It, that doesn't ma- it doesn't matter if I'm on my computer. It doesn't matter because I'm doing nothing that I don't want the Lord to see. You are welcome in my house. I have nothing to hide. Wouldn't it be great if we lived with such a mindset? I've got nothing to hide. I'm not trying to keep this from my parents. I'm not trying to keep this from my wife. I'm not trying to keep this from my children. I am okay with the Lord here. I'm okay because the Lord is welcome in my house. It doesn't matter what room. And it doesn't matter what time. It doesn't matter if the lights are on. It doesn't matter if the lights are off. Jesus, you are welcome in my house. You are welcome. Don't worry about knocking. Just please come in. You see, a home that is anchored in Jesus is a home where Jesus is welcome all the time. There's not just a sign. It's actually an attitude. It's just an attitude that says, please come in. Please be here. You are welcome. Number two, when I think about this home in Mark chapter 1, verses 29 through 31, the home of Andrew and, and, uh, and Peter... When I think about this particular home and I think about this particular occasion, we think about the fact that you've got Peter's mother-in-law who's lying there ill. She's ill with fever, the Bible says. It's not just a home where Jesus didn't have to knock, a home where Jesus could, could enter, but it takes it a step further and it says, not only are you welcome in my house, I in fact need you in my house. Now that takes it up a notch, doesn't it? You're not just welcome in my house. Lord, I need you in my house. I need you to be in my home. We need you as a family to be present in our lives, in our home. We need you here. If you look at Mark chapter 5, you go over just a little bit in your New Testaments. A couple of pages over, you come to Mark chapter 5 and Again, to many who are sitting in this room this morning, uh, it's a somewhat familiar account. In Mark chapter 5, you've got this man who is demon-possessed. In fact, the demons tell Jesus that his name is Legion because they are many. And they have this, uh, this man, they're, they're possessing him, and he is possessed to a point where he has seems supernatural strength. They've tried to bind him with chains, They've tried to bind him with shackles, and he's just tearing them to pieces. They cannot control this man. They have banished him. He's living out in the cemetery. He's living out amongst the tombs, and he's crying out, and people are scared to death of this guy. You can just imagine what that was like for him. And so, uh, calls out to Jesus. In verse number 7, He cried out with a loud voice and he said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? 
I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, in verse number 8, Come out of the man, unclean spirit. And he said, What is your name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. Also he begged him earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. And then you've got this large herd of swine that are feeding. And so they begged Jesus to send him into the swine. Verse number 12, let us enter the swine. And so Jesus permits them to enter the swine. And you recall the swine run down the steep hill and they drown in the sea. Now, you've got this man. Look at verse number 14. So those who fed the swine, they told it to those in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then they came to Jesus, and they saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind, and they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine, and they began to plead with him to depart from their region. That always has struck me as, as weird. Doesn't it strike you as just odd that here is this great miracle that has taken place, it is undeniable. You've got this man who has been demon-possessed, and Jesus permits the demons to enter a herd of swine. To, they run down a hill, and they all drown. You think that just happened every day? I'm amazed at the reaction of these people. After seeing this and witnessing this and being told about this, they come to Jesus, and they tell Jesus, Get out! Really? They tell him to leave. They beg him, the Bible says, to get out of their region. You know, there are some who live their lives, and ultimately they say that to the Lord. Get out of my house. Get out of my house. I don't want you in my house. I don't need you in my house. Get away from me. Get as far away from me as you can possibly get from me. There's some of those people who want nothing to do with Jesus. I wonder if there are occasions in my life, and I suppose there have been to my shame, where I've had that kind of attitude about the Lord. Jesus, I've got some things I want to do. I've got some things I want to do. And I don't really want you to be here. I'm, I'm going to gratify my flesh. I'm going to take care of myself. I'm going to do what I want to do, what my body wants to do, and I don't really want you here. In fact, I need you to get out. Sometimes that happens, doesn't it? That can happen. That can happen in our lives. It can happen in our homes where ultimately what we're saying to Jesus, though not audibly, but in our actions, ultimately we are telling Jesus to leave to get out. Converse to that, we find verse number 18 in Mark chapter 5, where the Bible says, and when he got into the boat, he who had been, I love the past tense, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. You've got one group of people who say, Jesus, I don't need you. I don't want you. Please get out of here. Please leave my life. Please get out of my home. And then you have this man that Jesus has healed, and you've got this man begging to stay with Jesus. By our actions and attitudes, 
we ultimately are displaying one of those in our lives. I need you or I don't. And I'm just reminding us this morning that our homes will be their best when we have an attitude that says, Jesus, I need you here. We need you here. You're not just welcome. You're needed. You know how much better our lives would be if we lived with that kind of mindset. You're not just welcome. You're needed. You know, it reminds me of John chapter 4, and I'm not going to read these verses, but you recall in John chapter 4 that Jesus has had the conversation with the woman at the well. And that all begins in a very innocent way, and then it gets deep real, real fast to where the, this woman actually realizes that, that this could be the Christ. This, this one that I'm sitting here, uh, you know, has asked me for a drink. This could actually be the Messiah. To the point that she leaves the water pot, the reason she had come, she leaves that behind and she goes rushing into the city to tell the people, I think this might be him. This is the guy. He has told me everything I ever did. And this, this could be the Messiah. And so they all come to Jesus at this point. She goes into the city and she comes out not by herself, but with this great group of people. And in the end, after listening to Jesus, those people in Samaria, now they're begging Jesus to stay. They need Jesus. Please don't leave here. Please stay here. Stay in our home. Stay in our land. And I'm just suggesting this morning again that that is how I need to look at Jesus and what He can do for me and in my home. Too often in my house, I'm afraid, and I can only speak for mine, Jesus is welcome, but not always is he looked at as needed. Sometimes I, I get to thinking a little too highly of myself. I don't know if that's true of you, but it can be of me. Or I can get to thinking a little too highly of myself and just thinking by my personality and by my merits, by my attitude, by my approach to being a husband and my approach to being a father, that I can do okay. That I can do okay that I really don't need him. I can do this. I grew up in a good home. I've had good examples in my life. And just by my merits, I can do okay. Sometimes I forget that I need Jesus. I need him in my home. There are a lot of good fathers. There are a lot of good husbands. There are a lot of good people in this world, but they'll never be their best if you never see the need for Jesus. They'll never be. Same with mothers. Same with wives. Same with children. Plenty of good kids. Plenty of good young people in the world. But if you don't see your need for Jesus, you're never going to be great. The need for Jesus. I think about why do I need Jesus. When I think about this right here in Mark chapter 5 and verse number 19... When you think about the, the words of Jesus to this man who had been demon-possessed that he had healed, and in Mark chapter 5 and verse number 19, Jesus, he didn't permit him to stay with him, but he said, go to your, to your friends, go home to your friends, and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he's had compassion on you. And I think about the fact that I need Jesus because I will never be as compassionate with others without him as I will be with him. Go and tell them. 
the compassion that Jesus has had on you. Go and tell them. Go and show that compassion to others. I will never be as compassionate with others if I don't recognize the compassion that Jesus has shown me. I need Him. I need Him. I will never know the depths of true joy in my life. I will never be able to share in that joy with others if I don't recognize my need for Jesus. There can be happy people in the world who are anti-God and anti-religion, but they'll never know true joy, will they? They'll never know it. I need Jesus. I need to know the true depths of joy. We'll never in our relationships know the true joy of salvation. Our relationships will never be as deep as they can be if we're not all in Jesus. We need Jesus. Jesus needs to be welcomed in my home, yes, but my home needs Jesus. It needs Jesus. Number three. Jesus came into a home in Mark chapter 1, and there was a great deal of stress. Can you imagine? There was a great deal of stress in that home. You've got Peter's mother-in-law, his wife's mother, lying on her deathbed, so to speak. She is sick with fever. It looks like she's nearing death. There's a lot of stress in that home when Jesus enters it, and Jesus, through his actions, immediately makes it better. You know that's what Jesus will do in your home, too. That's what Jesus will do in my home. He will make improvement. It will be better if I will let him in, if I will welcome him in, if I will show that I need him there, my home will get better. I don't know how it is in your home. I don't know how it has been in your home. In our home, and I hesitate again, I don't know the picture you have of Julie and I and the boys, but there are times, believe it or not, when we get fairly sharp-tongued. Sometimes impatient with one another. Sometimes we say things we wish we had not said. Sometimes we get upset with each other. I don't know how it is in yours, but I'm being real with you. This happens. I suppose our home isn't the only one. But there are some times where sometimes I say it out loud, but lots of times I'm thinking to myself, why are we not happy? Why is this home not happy right now? Why is it that we are butting heads? Why is it that we're kind of at it at the moment? What is it? What is it with Julie and I? That What's come in right now that we are not at our happiest? What has come into our home that has caused this wedge kind of to be driven in a little bit? What is it that's going on? Why are we not happy? And sometimes the answer is, where did the Lord go? Did he open the door and get out? Did he go out the back door and I just didn't see it? And you look around and what you find is we're not behaving at all like Jesus. And that's when homes are not happy. Did we go out the back door? We better get him back. And maybe in those moments it's good just to have a little heart to heart. And just to remind each other who we are. 
and to remind each other whose we are. And to remind each other of the love that the Lord has for us. To remind each other that we are not behaving like we need Jesus. That we are not behaving the way that we should be. And maybe it's in those moments, that's a good opportunity to open the Bible. You know it is. That's uh, what we have found, what I have found. And again, we have struggles. But it's really hard to go to bed in a bad mood if you pray before you go to bed. Isn't that something? You know, it's hard to go to bed in a bad mood if you open the Bible and read a chapter together as a family, as your husband and wife, as a Christian, as an individual Christian. Again, I'm not just talking to married people today. Uh, I'm not just talking to those with children or those without children, but all of us. I'm just reminding us in our relationship with the Lord, when things seem off, that's a good time to get it back, to get back into the Word, to spend time in prayer. Jesus, you're not just welcome in my house. I need you in my house. You will improve my house. You will improve us. You will improve us. I want to have a home where I recognize that Jesus can make improvement. And so Jesus walks into this home in Mark chapter 1. In verse number 30, Simon's wife's mother lay sick with a fever. They told him about her at once. He came and took her by the hand, and he lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. A lot of stress in that house when Jesus enters it. Not so much when he leaves it. That's what Jesus can do for my house. I need to know that Jesus can improve my home. Finally this morning, I want to think about the final point. I want to live in a home where Jesus is served. I told you this is in, all, in three of the four gospel accounts. John doesn't mention it, but Matthew, Mark, and Luke do. And in all three gospel accounts, whether it's the two verses in Matthew chapter 8, the two verses in Luke chapter 4, or the three verses here in Mark chapter 1, they all three without exception say that after the fever left her, she rose up and served. She served. And I look at that, and I am not surprised that she got up and served. Now, why do you think it says that? I think a couple of things. Number one, it shows that a miracle did, in fact, take place. Now, I don't know exactly what she was experiencing, exactly what this fever was doing, but I do know that she was very, very, very ill. She was very ill. And I know that Jesus came in, he lifted her up, and immediately the fever left her. Some of you recently have been sick with fever. All of us, at one time or another, probably have had fever. Even after the fever leaves, how do you feel? It takes a day, right? It takes a few days. You are drained. There's just something about your body fighting fever that leaves you drained. And so it takes a few days to get back up to par, right? It takes a few days to get over that. Not Peter's mother-in-law. She got up and served. She, she wasn't lacking energy, right? She got up and she had the energy. She got up and she served. I think that's part of what that's there for. 
to let us know that this miracle had taken place and that she wasn't still feeling drained and she was able to get up and she had the energy to just immediately begin to serve Jesus and those who were in the house. She got up and she served. But I think there's more to it than that. And I'm not surprised, are you? That after this miracle, after Jesus makes her well, she would want to serve. Are you surprised by that? I mean, this woman was on her deathbed. Jesus came in. He lifted her up. And now she is healed. And she desires to serve Him. Of course she would. I'm not surprised by that. I think that's a very normal reaction. She would want to serve Him. Now you think about what Jesus has done for you as a Christian. And you think about what Jesus, I think about what Jesus has done for me. Why would I not want to serve him? I was dead in my trespasses and sin. I was alienated from God. I was without hope. I was as dead as I could be. I was as lost as I could be. Why would I not want to serve Jesus in my home? Why would we not want to serve Jesus? I want you just to take a walk in your steps that you've already been in today. Just what already today. I want you to think about what the Lord has done for you. Everything you've done to this point today. And I recognize that not all of us have done the same things already today. But I think about myself. You know the first thing I touched this morning? My wife's hand before I got up. What a blessing. I got up this morning and took a shower. You know where I turned that dial? Hot. What a blessing. I didn't have to take a cold shower this morning. I went and made coffee. Mm. What a blessing. I mean, I put this suit on. You know where I got this suit? Brother Clay Mims gave me this suit. Do you know the tag on the coat of this suit says, Made in Jordan. It's a beautiful suit. I love Brother Clay, him giving me this suit. I let the dog out, Wyndham. Let Wyndham out the back door this morning. And you know what was that back there on that back patio? Puddle. A puddle. It rained. It didn't rain a lot, but it rained. What a blessing. I'm just telling you that, it, that if you'll just open your eyes, that's just physical. What a blessing. And you get to thinking, why would I not serve you? Why would I not serve you? Look at everything that God has done for us. Why would we not serve Him? 
I, 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 I know that Peter's mother-in-law, she, she wanted to give up. She wasn't forced to serve. She wanted to get up and serve. And so I asked, Adam, what are you doing to serve the Lord? What are you doing to serve the Lord? What are you doing to serve the Lord? What are you doing to serve Jesus? What am I doing in my marriage to serve the Lord? To make it the best it can be. Two people trying their best to pull on the same end of the rope to serve the Lord. What are we doing as a family to serve the Lord? What are we doing together to serve the Lord? How much time do we spend together in the Word of God? How much time do we spend praying together? How much time do we spend worshiping together? How much time do we spend helping others together? Having an eye for service, looking out for the needs, not of ourselves, but for others. You see, that's what Jesus did in this setting. This was not about Him. This was about walking into a home that needed Jesus in it. And He improved it. And they served Him. They served Him. I want to serve. We need to be about serving those less fortunate and understanding our need for Jesus. In Matthew chapter 25, verses 34 through 40, Jesus makes that very clear. To those who were hungry, you gave food. To those who were thirsty, you gave drink. To those who were naked, you gave them clothing. To those who were sick, you visited them. To those who were in prison, you went to them. You see, all of this comes in to serving. What are we doing to serve others? Not to look good in front of others but to remind ourselves of what the Lord has done to us, for us, and we want to help others the same way. Your home, I don't know. I don't know your home. I don't know your life. I don't know everything that's going on in your world. But I do know that a home that is anchored in Jesus is a home where Jesus is welcome. A home where Jesus is needed. A home that recognizes that Jesus will improve this home. Improve our lives. And ultimately, I want to live a life that's willing and able to serve Jesus because of all that He has done for us. Only you this morning know your life and only you this morning know your home. But I'm challenging us this morning to have a home that is anchored in Jesus to have lives that recognize their need for Him, to not do anything that, would, uh, that He would not approve of, but let us strive to be above that and strive to be living according to His will and His example. Jesus walked into a home. Can you imagine literally Jesus walking into your home? This morning, how's your home? Is it ready for Jesus? Are you ready to be in the home of Jesus? Are you ready to go to His home? Are you ready to go to His Father's home? I've gone to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again, and I'll receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Can you imagine going to God's house? John 14, verses 1 through 4, Jesus says, I'm, I've come to take you there. I want you to go there. Isn't that amazing? 
You want to go to God's house? Then let God in your house. And if he's not there this morning, then let's do something about it. This morning, if you're a child of God and, and you have pushed him out, you've pushed him aside, you're not serving as you should, there's something amiss in your life, then my friend, my brother and sister, you've got the opportunity this morning to repent of such and to make it right. But this morning, if you are not a child of God and you are not prepared to go to heaven, then all of that can change here because of what Jesus has done for you. Will you come to Him today believing that He is the Christ, the Son of God, willing to make that confession before others, to repent of sin in your life? You know what? I've been going the wrong way. I'm going to turn around. I'm going to make those changes in my life. I am not going to serve the devil anymore. I'm going to serve the Lord. Are you ready to repent this morning? Are you prepared now to enter the watery grave of baptism to have your sins washed away? You can be saved by the precious blood of Jesus today. If you've got a question, I'll stick around as long as you need. We'll answer it. But please, if you're ready to respond to the Lord's invitation, then please come now while together we stand and while we sing.